Hey, we're Jeff and Jackie Lynch. We're part of the ministry team here at Compassion Church in beautiful Danville, Virginia. We are so glad that you have found us. Here's this week's message. My question is, how many of you want to live a fulfilled life? And that's all of us, right? We, we don't want to waste our days, right? We want to we know that we've done something and that our life has meaning. And we want to we be able to look at people and say, man, that's somebody that they were struggling, but, but in some way I helped them. What sets your heart on fire any more than the opportunities that you have to be a blessing and to help someone? Well, God has a plan for your life. And so here at Compassion Danville, one of the things we say a lot of times is that, that our, our, our mission is to see the lost saved, the saved freed, the freed restored, and the restored fulfilled. Now, that's a whole journey, y'all. It's a whole journey from somebody who's lost as a duck in a windstorm. Come on, somebody. To go from being can't find their way out of a paper bag to living a life where everybody who knows him says, yeah, I knew him when he was that. Yeah, but you ain't going to believe what he's doing now. That brother has got his act together. He's living some type of way, and God is using him to be a blessing to other people. Can I tell you all, this is a room that's filled with those kinds of stories. God's doing it right here. And some of you who today have, have, have chosen to believe the lie that the enemy's been spitting at you all along that's telling you that you're never going to amount to anything, that this is all there is, and that you can't be what other people can be. Can I tell you something? We just sang a song about move the immovable, break the unbreakable, and my God can break the chains that are holding you back if you will bow yourself in submission to Him and let God be God. Let Jesus be Lord. Some of y'all trying to be God in your own life, you, you, you never were equipped to be God. You're equipped to be a God follower. And when you make the decision to be a follower of Jesus, you're not just saying, Jesus, save me so I don't have to go to hell. You're saying, Jesus, I know that if you don't change me and save me, I am going to have to go to hell. And I don't want to do that. So, so if you'll save me, I'll follow you and you leave. And so many of us have made that decision. And we're good with the part about not having to go to hell. Matter of fact, that sounds pretty good. I like that part. But we're not doing so hot at the following part. And when we don't follow Jesus well, we don't step into the life that he's laid out for us. And that's heartbreaking because he sees some of us muddling through our lives. You ever have that sense, man, I'm just stuck. I'm just muddling through. There's got to be more. I want to I live my days seeing that I've done something and made a difference. Well, that's God. That's the Holy Spirit of God drawing that thing out of you. That's what he wants for you. And if you feel that way this morning, it's because he's drawing you into something deeper. Now, here's what I want to say to you today. Today's message, very practical message, very simple, practical message. I'm going to give you four things that will help you to develop your circle. Because what we've said already is that, that God wants you to live that life. And to live that life that's fulfilled, you have to get the right people around you. You say, well, how do I do that? You have to go on a journey to develop your circle so that God has the ability to lovingly move the turkeys out of your life. Come on, somebody. Gobble, gobble, gobble. Y'all got to hear that a lot. Hear that? Gobble, 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 gobble. That's all you hear. I hear a bunch of quacking and gobbling because it ain't nothing but a bunch of turkeys around y'all. God wants to get you soaring with some eagles. Well, how do we do that, man? Well, here's what I'm going to tell you. It's going to take a team. It always takes a team. And there have been seasons in my life when, when I had people all around me, but I was alone. There have been seasons in my life when, when I've had a bunch of fun people around me, but how many of y'all know fun people don't always lead to the fulfilled life? Have a whole lot of fun, 
but it was a whole lot of headaches and, and a whole lot of heartaches and a whole lot of bad days that come from surrounding yourself. Fun people, you can have fun people that help you live a fulfilled life. What I can tell you now is I have people around me who, who love me. They empower me to do the things that God's created me to be. They encourage me. They pray for me daily, and they challenge me. You better get you some people in your life that will challenge you. Stop, stop surrounding yourself with a bunch of yes men, yes women. Get some people who love you enough to call you out on your junk when you're making some mess. Love you enough to say you're making a mess of things. Don't be getting all defensive about that. You let that man, let that woman speak to you. They love you. Who's your team right now? Are they helping you become the best version of you? Or are they a bunch of leeches? Any of y'all ever walk through the river and get out on the other side and leeches stuck on your legs, sucking the blood, sucking the life out of you? Got a bunch of hangers on in your life? Maybe God wants to cut that out. Well, how do you do it? Well, I believe this church can help you do it. And I'm going to give you a four-step plan this morning. Very simple. If you're taking notes, here's the first thing. I want you to commit to attending church. Commit to attending church. Read Hebrews 10, verse 25 with me. It says, This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward. Now, these words were written by an unknown author in the first century. And in the first century, Jesus had just come and lived and died and gone back to glory. Holy Spirit had come, and there were a number of people. At that point, it was kind of still a small number of people, but there was a number of people who had started following Jesus, following Jesus' teaching. They'd given their life to Jesus. But as time went on, as the years went by, these, these people who were giving their lives to Jesus, well, they started listening to the voices of other people. And so people who were false teachers were telling them, you really don't believe in that, do you? Like, like you, yeah, okay, follow Jesus and do the things he said, but you still need to be circumcised, you still need to go to the temple, you still need to follow the law. And people started getting confused. And then to make matters worse, they began to be persecuted by the, the Romans and by the Gentiles. And, and so things were getting bad. And I, man, this is too hard. I'm not doing this. I'm just, I'll just do me and let that group do their thing. You ever feel that way? You ever feel like this thing of going to church, being part of a church, is just too hard? What he's saying to them, I'm going to say to y'all today. And I'm just going to tell you right now, some of you are going to get mad at what I'm about to tell you. It's going to hurt some of your feelings. I love you enough to say this to you. And I'm not saying it to you to hurt your feelings. And if you, if you sit there and you think, well, he's calling me out. He's talking to me. No, I'm not. I'm not talking to any one specific person. I'm talking to us. I'm talking to us. Very simple point here. Attend church regularly. You know, in the world that I grew up in, man, we got up on Sunday mornings. We went to church. Nobody thought about we going to church. We just went to church. That's what we did. Simple. Made life easy. Well, what are we going to do today? Well, I don't have to think about that. I'm going to church. But in today's world, people who consider themselves to be church attenders, regular church attenders, maybe go to church one Sunday a month, maybe twice a month if you're lucky. You know, the problem with that is that creates this consumer mentality. And the consumer mentality is, yeah, I'm going to go to church. And I'm going to go in, I'm going to sit down, and I'm going to listen to the band, and I'm going to listen to the message, and I'm going to go home. And I went to church. That's good, right? The problem with the consumer mindset is God did not develop his church to be consumer-oriented. He, he developed his church for this to be something that's living and breathing and moving and that we all have a part in. What are you saying, Jeff? I'm saying to you, you need to be part of a church. And you need to be someone who comes to church every week. 
You've heard the phrase, y'all are looking at me some kind of crazy right now. You've heard the phrase, well, he's down there every time the doors are open. You ought to be down there every time the doors are open. Here's why. Because when those doors are open on Wednesday nights, your teenagers get an opportunity to learn about Jesus. Your teenagers getting equipped for what's ahead. When we're having church on Sunday morning, this is where we worship God. And, and, and God breathes life into us. But when we're doing all these other things, when church is not a priority, when we just consume, we're not allowing ourselves to be part of it. So in terms of developing a better circle, in developing a better circle, you've got to get in a place where, where people want to come and be where Jesus is. So the first step along the way is to not neglect getting together, but make it a priority. And here's what I'm challenging you right now. As you listen to this today, listen, don't listen to me. Don't, I mean, don't, don't take my word for it. Listen to what God's saying. God's saying that when you step into this body, this family of, of Christ, that, that we are a family and you have a role to play. And you can't play your role if you're pulled into everything else. Now listen, I'm not mad. I've, I've preached this before and had people get mad at me and fall, won't even come back to the church because they thought I was calling them out. I'm not. I love you enough to say that it is important for you to be here on Sunday mornings when we have services so that you can be involved in other things. It's important. So here's what I'm saying. Make a decision. Like one of the biggest decisions looking back over my faith journey, over my life, at a young age, in my early 20s, my family decided, we're just going to go to church every Sunday. We're not going to keep asking a question. Y'all, I grew up going to church every Sunday. And uh, when I say that, y'all going to think I'm crazy. No, it ain't me. It's mama that's crazy. But from, from three years old until 17 years old, never missed a Sunday. Every Sunday. They gave out Sunday school pens. They got records of those kinds of things. Never missed a Sunday for all those years. Got 20-something years old, kind of fell away from it, kind of got out of the habit, had to make a decision. We're going to church? I don't know. I'm sleepy. I'm tired. Been a long week. Y'all ever, ever live with anybody that said that to you? Eh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe. No, Y'all stop looking around. Straight ahead. Straight ahead. Make the decision ahead of time. One of the biggest things I did in my faith journey was deciding, I'm just going to go to church every week. Because I'm not going to learn these things anywhere else. I'm not going to figure out how to do it. And I'm not going to be around the kind of people that God wants me to be around if I'm at the lake, if I'm on the golf course, if I'm whatever. Not that there's anything wrong with those things, but those people are not going to take you into the fulfilled life. Plus, what are we talking about, man? An hour, a couple hours a week? So the first step is to attend church regularly. The Bible says that. It's what the Scripture tells us. What's the second thing? Well, attending church is the first step, but it's not enough. And so the second thing is join a ministry team. Join a ministry team. Now, some of y'all, again, you're thinking, I've been coming for a while, but I don't know that I want to get mixed up in that. They're going to want me to do all this stuff. Stop. Stop worrying about what Jackie's begging you to do, what Jeff's begging you to do, what Nate's begging you to do. Listen to what God is telling you that you were designed for. You said you want the fulfilled life. You're going to have to make an investment. Look at 1 Corinthians 12. It says it's the same Holy Spirit who contributes to distribute many different varieties of gifts. The Lord Yahweh is one, and He is the one who apportions to believers different varieties of ministries. The same God distributes different kinds of miracles that accomplish different results through each believer's gift and ministry as He energizes and activates them. Each believer is given continuous revelation by the Holy Spirit to benefit not just himself, but all. What's He saying? He's saying, man, when you become a follower of Jesus, not only is it important that you go to church, but if you're not showing up and being part of the church, then there's a hole in the ministry, and there are things that can't be done. So some of y'all say, hey, what's going on in kids' ministry back there? Look like we don't have many kids. There's not much going on. 
Well, it's the chicken and the egg, right? If, if we don't have people who can do the kids' ministry, then the kids' ministry suffers, and then the kids stop coming, and the kids stop coming, and we don't have volunteers, and we can't do it. That's why we're in the process of hiring a kids' director, and we're going to build this thing up, but it's not just a kids' director. We need people to fill those roles. And God has apportioned each one of you with gifts. If you are a follower of Jesus, there's a couple of things that happen. You give your life to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you. And he helps you to know what to do and what not to do. The other thing that happens is God gives you a gift. Now, God did not give me the gift of changing diapers on babies. Thank God. God did not give me the gift of playing around with the elementary kids. I will have kicked some kid in the tail. It would not work out well. But for whatever reason, God chose to, to put in me something to preach. Y'all, I love doing this. This is not hard to me. I enjoy doing it. Preparing for it is a joy to me. Some of y'all would rather die than have to do this on a weekly basis. But it's what God's given me to do. There's something that he's given you to do. And the beauty of it is when you step into that ministry team, now not only are you coming to church and seeing what's going on, you're going to get connected into a team. And you're going to get to start living out the things that God built into you. You say, how do I know? Like, I want to try something. Can I tell you all something? Over the last 20 years, I can tell you I have been a preschool worker. I've been a parking lot attendant. I've been a Sunday school teacher. I've been in a worship team. I've been in, in dramatic productions. I've done pretty much everything you can do in church. The first thing that I jumped into was not the last thing that I ended up doing. Here's what I'm saying. It's a journey to figure out the things that, that God's put into you to light your heart up. But if you just stay on the sidelines, you'll never get there. And when you just stay on the sidelines, you don't get connected to other people. Here's what I see in our church. I walked in this morning, and I see sweet Susie Irby there. I see Susie sitting back here. Every week when y'all come in, Susie's out there, and she's under that VIP tent. And she's loving on people and hugging on people and making people feel welcome. What you may not know is that sometimes Susie has to bring her oxygen tank with her because her breathing got affected by some things. A couple years ago, she went through a tragedy when her husband passed away. And not long after that, she developed this terrible disease that just wrecked her body, right? And so she's gotten over those things, but she comes to church and she's able to give to other people. She's able to live out what God's put in her, brings her joy, and it's a blessing to other people. How many of us settle for, man, things just suck and I don't like the way things are? If that's where you are, maybe you need to find your joy. You're always going to find joy in serving other people. Pull up this morning, George is out there putting the flags up. You know, first time I met George Frazier, um, his daughter called us and said, my mom has cancer and it's not good. Could you come visit with her? We go out to her house. Um, George's wife has cancer, and she's going downhill. We know she's going downhill. And we meet out there, and we, we strike up a friendship, and George comes to church not long after that. His wife passes away, heartbreaking, life-changing kind of thing. But when I see George every week now, you know what he's doing? He's involved in everything here. He's loving on people. He's putting the flags up. He's made, I walked in this morning before anybody was here. George is out there in the circle under the tree with a broom sweeping off the thing so that when you came in, it would look nice for you. You say, well, that's not that big of a deal. How's that growing the kingdom of God? He's serving people. And you're called to serve. And if you're going to develop your circle, you can't just come and sit in a seat. You've got to get around other people that you can serve with and be a part of things. And we've got so many options for you to do that. Um, but here's the thing, man. It's not just coming to church. It's not just joining a ministry team. Because you know this. If you pour out, pour out, pour out all the time, and you're never being poured into, what happens to a cup when you pour it out? 
It gets empty, doesn't it? Well, you need to be poured into as well. And that leads us to the next thing. If you're going to develop your circle, then you also need to get in a C group. You need to get in a C group. Like, man, I've heard all this stuff. I know you've heard it, but you're not doing it, so let's keep talking about it, right? Acts 2. Acts 2. Go with me to Acts 2. Now, Acts 2, verse 42 through 47 is the passage of Scripture that we go to when we talk about what it looks like to be in Christian fellowship. But what, what, what they're describing here in Acts is a body of believers. Man, Jesus has just died and gone back. Holy Spirit has just come and empowered the church. And there's just a handful of people who are followers of Jesus at this time. And so the church, as we call it in this passage, looks a whole lot more like a small group than it does like what we would call a megachurch. Well, what did that look like when God poured out His Spirit and they had everything from God? Look at Acts 2. It said every believer, every believer, not some of them. Some of them didn't go fishing on that Sunday. Every one of them were there. Some of them didn't go to the lake that Sunday. They were all there. Every believer was faithfully devoted to following the teachings of the apostles. Now stop right there. Don't, don't miss this. Like when we get together in a C group, a small group, I want you to read the Bible. And I want you to let the Bible tell you how to live your life. These brothers were getting together and, and, and Peter was there. John was there. Matthew was there. The people who had walked with Jesus. And they sat down and they listened to these apostles teach them what they had learned from following Jesus for years. That's what they were doing. Their hearts were mutually linked to one another, sharing communion, coming together regularly for prayer. Y'all, y'all ain't going to believe this, but these people actually believed that when, when somebody among them was sick, that they could pray and call out to God and God would heal them. And guess what? He did. He did. They prayed for each other as if Jesus has just told us that, that, that you have authority, you have power, and these things are available to you. And they prayed that way, and God did amazing things. Why do our groups not look like that? Do we not believe that Jesus has the power to do those things now? Huh, that's what they did. It says a deep sense of holy awe swept over everyone. Why is that? Because they were experiencing God every day. They had gone from being fishermen and, and all of these other things that they, tax collectors, just living daily life, taking kids to soccer practice, going to Walmart, climbing down out of trees and all of these things. And then they're getting together and God's blowing things up. Deep sense of awe swept over everyone. And the apostles performed miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers were in fellowship as one body. And they shared with one another whatever they had. Out of generosity, they even sold their assets to distribute the proceeds to those who were in need among them. Daily, they met together in the temple courts and one another's homes to celebrate communion. They shared meals together with joyful hearts, tender humility, they were continually filled with praises to God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord kept adding to their number daily those who were coming to life. I guess He did, because these people were getting together, and it wasn't, well, let's just go have a small group, and who's going to bring the potato salad, who's got the, the cookies, and, and, and let's hurry up and watch this video so that we can watch whatever TV show's on. These people were getting together, and they were expecting God to show up. They were expecting this Holy Spirit who had been promised and they had felt and seen to do amazing things. And they loved each other. And there was something that they found in that gathering, in that church that they didn't find anywhere else. And it says that, that the Lord added to their number daily. Why is that? It's because when they got together, this power of God took over and it was attractive to people. People were out there living their lives, trying to figure things out on their own. And they saw a place 
where people were getting together and the power of God was bringing them alive. And they were living lives that were exciting and adventurous and filled with fulfillment. Now you say to me, I want that kind of life. But are you willing to put yourself in the places and to do the things that it's going to require to get there? See, that's why nobody signs up when we do small, small group drive. I got, I got two cards last week. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Two people are going to be in small groups. That's awesome. Praise the Lord. We're really going to do big things. We're too busy. We're not following what Jesus says. But they did, and they saw God bring things alive. They saw the power of God poured out. They, were, they, they, they talked about what the apostles saw. They prayed for each other. It says they had fellowship. You know, in the world I grew up in, Baptist world, we had a fellowship hall. And that's, that just meant that was a place where we went to eat. Y'all know about that? Somebody going to bring some chicken, and the women going to bring some rectangle dishes with some broccoli casserole. Come on, bring it. Bring it. Bring another one. We're going to need two of them. I like it. I like it. But fellowship means that you contribute, you share, right? Everybody's got a place we participate. Man, I love eating meals together. That's why we're always at a Mexican restaurant. We're always sitting there with somebody talking about what's going on in life or just something about food. But you know what? There's also something about being in someone's home. Like you can come to church and meet, and it's good, but you go show up in somebody's house and you see the pictures of granny on the wall, right? See the pictures of the kids playing soccer. You see all of that. You become family when you do that. We need more of that. We need more people who are willing to say, man, I want to open up my home and so that people who are trying to grow just like I am can go and be part of that. We need some people to do that. We need some people who would say, I may not be a, a theologian, but, but man, we can push play on a video and let this brother teach somebody from a video and we can learn, we can ask questions, we can grow together. We need that. It says God blessed them greatly. Well, that's what we're looking for. That's what we're looking for. But even as much as I'm asking you to do right now, I'm asking you to attend church regularly. I'm talking about every week. I'm talking about getting on a ministry team. I'm talking about joining a C group. But even if you do all of that, that's still not all there is to do. Y'all, did y'all miss that part when Jesus said, when you come follow me, die to yourself? Did you miss that part? Jesus said, die to yourself. Now, come follow me and let me lead you in the way. So the last point, the fourth thing, is go out and serve. Go out and serve. Luke 9, Jesus summoned together his 12 apostles and he imparted to them authority over every demon and the power to heal every disease. Then he commissioned them to proclaim God's kingdom and to heal the sick, to demonstrate that the kingdom had arrived. As he sent them out, he gave them these instructions. Take nothing extra on your journey. Go as you are. Don't even carry a staff or a backpack. Don't take any money. Don't take any food. Not even a change of clothes. Oh, Jesus. Okay, right on. That sounds kind of challenging. Whatever home welcomes you as a guest, remain there and make it your base of ministry. And wherever, you re, uh, where, wherever your ministry is rejected, leave that town. Shake the dust off your shoes as a testimony before them. And the apostles were crazy. And they did what Jesus said do. They departed. They went into the village, villages with the wonderful news of God's kingdom, and they healed diseases everywhere they went. What did Jesus do? He summoned them. He said, guys, come on. We've been doing this for, for a time now. Now come together. We're not just going to keep talking about it. Yeah, church was good. Yeah, a small group was good. But we got to be about something. And now we're going to go out and do something. Like, what are we going to do, Jesus? Well, here's what you're going to do. He summoned them together. You know what Jesus did? He imparted authority to them. Guess what? He has imparted authority to you too. 
If you are a believer, He has given you that same authority over demonic forces and over evil and over sickness. You say, well, I can't, I can't cast out demons. I can't heal sick. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You know how you do that? You step into situations. You know people who are struggling with, with suicidal thoughts. You know people who are dealing with depression and anxiety and fear. You know people whose lives are wrecked by guilt and shame and grief because of things that they've done, things that have been done to them. But you know how you heal all of that? You speak Jesus to them. You tell them about the Jesus who breaks the chains. You step to them in faith and in love and you explain to them that being lost doesn't have to be a permanent condition because Jesus will save you and He will heal that. You take that good news of the story that God has turned around in your life and share it with them. And it makes a difference, man. It makes a difference. He says that they went into the villages. Well, guess what Jesus is calling you to do? He's calling you to go to villages too. He's calling you to go to the, the village of Brasville. Come on. He's telling you to go to the village of Ringgold, the village of Danville, the village of Cascade, Eden, wherever, Greensboro. Those are villages. You go there. You say, well, I mean, I'm busy. I know. He already knew that. He's not telling you to make a special trip. He's saying, as you are going, do these things. You're going to work somewhere tomorrow. My guess is most of you aren't working from home. You're going to work tomorrow somewhere, and you're going to be surrounded by people who are desperately searching for the things that lead to a fulfilled life. You want your life to be fulfilled? You want to help them to live a fulfilled life? Guess what you do? You share what God's done in your heart. If you are someone who has had an encounter with Jesus and He's changed your life and you're not the person that you used to be and everything has been changed, why aren't you telling somebody? Why are you not sharing the best news in the whole wide world? You have the ability to do all of these things. But you can't do it alone. You have to develop your circle. You can't keep pecking around with those turkeys. If you're going to soar with the eagles, You've got to change and develop your circle. So here's one more question I want to ask you before we finish. How different could your life be if you and your circle were completely committed to loving God, to loving each other, and loving the world around you? How different could your life be? How different? Think about that now. I'm not talking about, I'm not, I'm not asking you to just go through some religious activities. I'm saying if you really decided that, that the vision that God has given us for this church, you really do have an important role to play in that, and you make a decision that I'm going to be there, and I'm coming to church, and I'm going to get involved, and I'm going to, I'm going to make it a commitment. I'm going to get in a group, and I'm going to join a ministry team. And God, wherever you tell me to go out and serve people, I'm going to do that. My guess is that a lot of things in your life that, that are, are, are wasting time and are holding you back will begin to fall away. And the things that God says are important will begin to rise to the top. And as you do the things that God says are important, He's going to do things through you that people who look at your life, come on now, people know you. They know you couldn't do that. It can only be God. And as you glorify God with your life, He always returns joy into you. You looking for joy today? Here's your very simple four-step process of how to get started. And He wants to help you with that today. Could I ask you to just bow your heads and close your eyes right there where you are? Father, we have covered a lot of territory this morning going through these four steps. Lord, the only person that would listen to this 
the only person that would seriously consider doing anything that I've talked about today is the person who knows that their life right now is not all that you designed it to be. The person who knows that there has to be more. The person that wants to maximize this life that you have given them. And Lord, my guess is this morning in this room, there's a lot of us that would say, God, I know there's more. I know there's more. And there's some of us, God, who have never traveled far enough with you yet at this point in our lives to see you pour out your supernatural, miraculous power and do things that no man can explain. For those people, God, I pray that in this week that's coming up, these next few days, that you will do things in their life that can't be described as anything other than a miracle, supernatural, so that their faith in you will come alive. Lord, for those of us who've been walking with you for a while, if we've gotten stagnant, if we've gotten stuck, if we're on the sidelines, and church has just become part of a religious activity or routine, Lord, I pray that your word that we have read this morning will shake us at our core. But God, I pray for our congregation right now, for every person who's here, people who call this place home, people who are visiting with us right now, because Lord, I believe that in your grace, in your love, you are such a good father. When you look at us, your children, you want us to have the absolute very best. And you look around right now and you see some of your children who are absolutely hurting. So Lord, in this moment, I'm praying for healing. I'm praying for healing. God, I'm praying for healing for those who feel like their life is just passing them by and they don't know how to make something out of it. Take your word and grow something out of this from what's been planted today. Lord, I pray for the ones who right now, when we talk about being lost, feel like that's me. That's me. I am so lost. I don't know the way. And if someone would just show me the way, if someone would just point me the way to where I can get my feet on solid ground and go towards a fulfilled life, then I would do whatever it takes. While I'm praying, if that's you this morning, I just want to say to you, if you feel that way right now, it's because God has brought you here and He wants to share with you that the way is right in front of you. The way is Jesus. And what He's saying to you today is if you are in a place where you're lost and separated from God and you don't know how to go forward, you don't know how to do anything, God wants to change that. See, being lost means that you're on a, on a destructive road. And if there's not someone that comes to save you, then you are going to perish. You're not going to make it. But God's saying to you today, you're my child, and I love you, and I'm not willing that even one of you should perish. And so right now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, here's what I'm asking you. If you know right now that that's you, and you feel the anxiety of the moment, your heart's starting to beat a little faster, your palms are sweaty, you feel the angst of regret of things that you've done, of things that have been done to you, you feel like I can't get out of it, I've tried it, I don't know how to fix it. God, nobody can fix this but you. If that's you right now, and you're willing to say to God, God, whatever it takes for you to save me, to give me the life that you created me for, I will give you my life. I know it's not going to be easy, but I'll give you my life and I will follow you if you'll take all of that away and give me your plan. If that's you this morning, right there where you're sitting, would you just raise your hand and say, Jeff, that's me. I want you to pray for me. Amen. Hallelujah. Keep those hands up. Amen. Hallelujah. Raise them up high so I can see them. I see one, two, three, four. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Keep, keep those hands up. 
Now this song we sang a minute ago talks about how He loves us. I'm going to ask everybody in the room, stand to your feet right now. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. We're going to sing this song in just a minute, but I'm not finished yet. Because God's got a work He wants to do. Now here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Every person in this room, if you just raised your hand, if you're serious about this, faith is not about what takes place between your ears. Faith is about what takes place with your feet. And you're saying to God right now, I want what you have for me. If you just raise your hand, I want you to raise your hand again. Let me see that hand. Raise them up, raise them up, raise them up. Every person who has your hand raised, I want you to step out of that aisle and I want you to meet me right down here. Come on, come on down here. Come on down, come on. Don't think about it. Don't back out of it. Get down here. You're going to make a trade with God this morning. You're going to lay down the misery and the shame. You're going to lay down the concern, the guilt, the fear. You're going to lay down all the things that have held you back. And you're going to say to God this morning, God, I want your very best for me. Now, I'm telling you right now, I want all, all of you, all of you who are hearing this, all of you who are walking forward, I want you to understand what I'm saying to you. It's not going to be easy. You're going to give God your life. And you're going to say, Jesus, take control. You lead me and I'll follow. This is not for the faint of heart. There's no turning back. When we begin to follow Jesus, we let him be Lord. We'll ask you guys, come on forward, make a little way. we got them stacked up in the aisles here. Now, I'm going to pray in just a minute, but before I do, every one of you that's standing beside somebody, look at the person beside of you and ask them, do you want me to walk down there with you? Ask them, come on, you're not doing it. Ask somebody, do you want me to walk down there with you? There's some people in this room that would come forward if somebody would walk with them. Come on, come on, come on. I see you, come on, come on. Do you want me to walk? Who else? Come on. Come on. Come on. I'm getting ready to pray. Before I pray, anybody else that wants to say, Jesus, I want to give you my life. So here's what we're going to do, guys. You have made an amazing decision, and it takes courage to step out of those seats. There's something taking place in your heart that's saying, God, I can't do this on my own. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. So church, I'm going, to, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And we're not going to leave these guys up front on their own. Can we do this together? Every person in the room, just repeat after me. Let's pray. Let's talk to God. Say, God, I need you. I give you my life today. Jesus, you are the way. I've tried it my way. I've made a mess of things. Jesus, forgive me for all of my sins all of my failures I lay them at your feet I place my trust in you I give you my life Jesus I will follow you wherever you lead Jesus right now you hear the cries of people who are desperate for you we thank you for salvation that has come to this room this morning God we praise your name we pray that you will help us as a church to lead each one of these folks in the pathway that leads to discipleship we bless your name 